Hello, happy Sunday. Welcome to the Banyan Podcast. My name is Ross McKeechee. I am live in conversation with Julie Daniluk. I'm really excited to have her here today. Thanks for joining us, Julie. Oh, Ross, I'm delighted to be asked because you guys are just one of my absolute favorite bookstores. So thank you so much for all you do. And thanks for creating this amazing platform. Our pleasure. So before we get started, I'll just let everybody know that although people might be joining from anywhere in the world for this, uh, the physical location of Banyan Books and Sound is on the unceded territory of the Coast Salish people. So that includes the Squamish, Musqueam, and tsleil nations. And Banyan Books is celebrating its 50th anniversary year this year. That's 50 years. So Canada's leading spiritual and healing resource since 1970. Um, that's an independent bookstore, and it's really amazing what uh, Colin Limworth has done, keeping this place alive, and everybody who makes Banyan work. Banyan's hours are back to extended hours for in-store browsing, prepaid pickup, and you can do mail order right to your door, and you're supporting an independent local bookstore. Banyan.com, B-A-N-Y-E-N.com. Okay. Julie Daniluk. So Julie is a registered holistic nutritionist, but she's a lot more than that. So I want everybody to really understand. She's a best-selling author, a TV host, and a public speaker. Author of three books, including Meals That Heal Inflammation, Slimming Meals That Heal. Both of those books were number one bestsellers and winners of Gourmand World Cookbook Awards. Her third and most recent book, which we'll be focusing on today, is called Hot Detox, and it's an amazing book. I, I've been going through it, and it's fantastic. That book was the number one national bestseller in Canada for 11 weeks and ranked as the number one best-selling health book when it came out in 2017. Julie appears regularly on TV. She's the co-host of Healthy Gourmet which airs in, listen to this, 72 countries around the world, 11 languages. Here in Canada, it's on the Oprah Winfrey Network. In the States, it's in on Z Living. And just the fact that your, your show is aired in that many countries and that many languages says a lot about where people are at with the world, the culture around food worldwide, not just in North America. Julie is also a regular contributor to CTV's Marilyn Denis show, to John Edwards' Evolve, and she has her busted segments on The Right Fit, which is also on the Oprah Winfrey Network. She's appeared on over 600 TV segments, Dr. Oz, CTV News, Global, The Social, Canada AM, and CBC Radio. Okay, there's more. Julie has helped hundreds of thousands of people through her work to enjoy great-tasting, allergy-free foods while boosting their body's healing process. That sounds pretty nice. She served on the Canadian board, uh, on the board of the Canadian Health Food Association in 2000 and 2009. She's a co-founding board member of the worldwide non-GMO project. And she actually addressed the Canadian federal, federal government re regarding the health risks of GMOs as well. A little bit more, and this doesn't even cover everything. She was the producer for the biodiversity event with Canada's David Suzuki and for Food Shares Field to Table Festival. She was also, this is something that I think you were excited about, Julie. You were a chef on the Greenpeace Rainbow Warrior, 
during their GE free New Zealand tour. That's pretty cool. Very fun. Yeah. So if anybody's interested, I know Julie does a lot of work with private clients and groups. She has a, uh, the thrive tribe, uh, uh, things to heal inflammation. I'll get Julie to share more about that. Her website is Julie Daniluk, J U L I E D A N I L U K.com. Or you can follow her on Instagram or Twitter on Facebook. She's got the Julie Daniluk nutrition page. Oh, Julie. Wow. Wow. Thank you for that amazing introduction. And thank you for this incredible chance to speak to your awesome audience. I feel very, very honored. Thank you. Thank you for being here. <laughs> so your book, Hot Detox, I'll just show it for folks to see one more time. You can get it at Banyan Books, of course. 21-day anti-inflammatory program to heal your gut and cleanse your body. Can you tell us a little bit about the inspiration for this book? And then maybe we can yes. get what, what's going on in the book itself. I love that. Um, well, the big reason why the, I had to write The Hot Detox is because the detox programs that I was doing at the time, unfortunately had a lot of problems with leaving me bloated and uncomfortable. So I had tried, you know, juice fasting. I had tried raw food cleanses and they left me very uncomfortable. And then I started studying traditional Chinese medicine and Ayurveda. And I realized that especially through the fall, the winter, and the spring here in Canada, it's not really appropriate to be eating freezing cold food because we really should be approaching more warming, comforting foods that really match our climate. So that's why the hot detox was born. And I absolutely uh, delve into the energetics of food in the book. So I have a great resource where I pull in many different um actual sources to build out a, you know, what is a warming food, what is a neutral food, and what is a cooling food. And you really, in the wintertime, want to eat off of the neutral and warming list. And in the summer, you can have more of the cold foods. So it allows you that flexibility. And it just works perfectly within the Canadian local food movement. Because let's face it, in the winter, we don't have the same access to uh, fresh, sort of very light raw food. We have to import it from California. So if we stick to a lot of local foods that are still available and we cook them well with lots of spices that really agree with our belly, then all of a sudden we have amazing digestion and people feel fantastic. That's awesome. Yeah, you. there's so many um, helpful charts and diagrams and you really reader gets an understanding without it being over overwhelming of how the body works but also how these different foods interplay and affect our organs so we can properly absorb and digest the nutrition that we need so maybe you can as you do in the book i love it you not only are these amazing recipes and great pictures and all of that but the start of the book you really give this whole outline of the process of digestion and excretion and detoxification, what causes inflammation, the important organs involved. So maybe for all of us, you can walk us through how the different, how, how does this process work? How does what, from when we eat? Sure. Well, our body is desperate to eliminate, right? And, and so often health 
uh, derails when we cannot do this natural process of elimination. It turns out one third of, of adults become constipated, which is a real, really a problematic thing. And then many men start to have urine flow issues, which will block the ability to eliminate through your kidneys. A lot of people are scared of sweating. You know, they've they've been grown up, they, they grow up with intense air conditioning to avoid any sort of sweating. So you can see how we're blocking off those main important avenues of elimination. Right. And we really do have to get back to releasing the cork and letting that all flow. And it's so important for us to start with healing the gut because constipation often is a result of digestive inflammation. So there's many causes of inflammation, which I get into my first book, which is Meals That Heal Inflammation. But I'll, I'll summarize it by saying there's four standard causes that underlie that inflammation. And okay. what is inflammation? Let's start there, because I know a lot of people are like, what is inflammation? Inflammation is the body's emergency healing response system. So it's like the red light that comes on in your car that says, yo, you've got a serious problem here. So it gives you symptoms and feedback, so you'll stop moving. So basically, you have a flare of the redness, the heat, the swelling, uh, the loss of function, the pain, those are the five cardinal signs that you're inflamed. But what's the underlying cause that kind of starts that? I like to call that the four eyes of inflammation. And uh -huh. just remember, four eyes. Put a, put a nice pair of glasses on me and you've got the four eyes of inflammation. And with those four eyes, we, we have a lot of health issues cropping up quickly. So what are those four eyes? Number one is... Um, a it's injury. We all know that, right? You twist your ankle, boom, you have inflammation. Number two is infection. And that's the greatest fear right now is that people are scared of the inflammation cascade, what they're now calling a cytokine storm that has been talked about with the potential of why does COVID in just certain circumstances, why do people have an acceleration of inflammation in your body? Well, it's these messengers of inflammation that get away from us. So we can have infections set in. That's a big one. Bacteria infections, think about strep throat, how painful that is, right? Mm -hmm. And then you've got another one, which is irritations. And irritations come from the foods that we're eating. It comes from toxins in our environment. And that's why with the hot detox, I really needed to help you beef up on getting rid of the inflammatory foods and really helping you get rid of those toxins. Because if you have heavy metals, PCBs, artificial colorings, horrendous amounts of dye that we put on our hair, really corrosive cleaning detergents that we're using that disrupt our hormones, boom, you've got a tremendous amount of inflammation. And speaking of that hormonal imbalance, that brings me to my last one, which is that imbalance. The imbalance of your hormones or the imbalance of your nutrition, somebody who eats piles of carbs and not enough good fat, or they eat really, they'll eat a ton of, say, white bread that doesn't have any fiber and it doesn't have all those key nutrients to make the Krebs cycle fire correctly, they end up with a pile of inflammation as well. So that's why we address all four causes of inflammation and boom, inflammation's knocked out of the park. You are, it's done. It's gone. I shouldn't say out of the park. I should say your body heals when you address the four underlying causes of inflammation. 
And, and just, to, just to interject for yeah. one second, sure. you, because your sound just kind of cut in and out a little bit. Oh, no. no. No, it's fine now, but okay. it was for the first eye. So just to recap. For sure, sure. Thank you. Injury. So the first injury, so spraining your ankle. Number two is, of course, infection. Number three is that terrible irritation from toxins or food allergies or intolerances. And number four is that imbalance, the imbalances that come, nutritional imbalances that cause hormonal imbalances, which create that cascade of inflammation. Okay. Yeah. Great. A great right. wrap up. <laughs> <laughs> All summarized. Good, good. Okay. So we've got these four eyes that cause inflammation. Yes. So now can you walk us through how do we, how does how do the organs interplay in our system? So you beautifully take us through it in the book and there's these lovely images and you you bring a lot of humor into it and you make it light and easy to digest and understand. <laughs> and um, so maybe you can kind of take us through, like, let's say I, I eat something. Um, I've been doing a kitchery cleanse for the last two weeks. So let's say I eat a bowl of kitchery. Yeah, congratulations. That's oh, good. Thank you. Thank you. Incredible. <laughs> Yeah. That's in my book. I'm so happy. <laughs> so what's cool about uh, the digestive process is, of course, it all starts in the mouth. So the part of the, the hot detox that's cool is that we, that's so funny. I never even thought about that. What's really warm and lovely about the hot detox <laughs> is the fact that when we take in food, when we chew it well, it lands into our stomach and if it's at the correct temperature our body knows what to do did you know that we really never ate frozen food before the last hundred years so you can imagine we evolved over two hundred thousand years is the common held belief two hundred thousand years of digesting food at room temperature or warm and only in the last hundred years were we able to make ice cream and that's why in china it's considered triple yin death to have something as cold as ice cream because when it's hit it's the stomach, it actually paralyzes digestion. So that's why in the hot detox, we really encourage you to stick with warming foods. Now we're in a heat wave. So if you're ever to enjoy something frozen, then in a heat wave, your body could handle it more because you have more internal heat able to warm up that cold food. But for some people, they're just cold all the time. These are the people who have thyroid imbalances. These are people who are quite frail and find the cold really, they're really intolerant to the cold. These are people who may be vata in vata. traditional Chinese medicine. We would say that they have a spleen deficiency and in Ayurveda, they would say that they have a vata imbalance. Mm -hmm. And this, these are the types of people who would do exceptionally well with moving towards a warming menu. So you've just had your, your kitchery and why is it cool? Well, why is it good? I should move away from that word cool. So with, with Kitchri, it is brilliant that it has a lot of Ayurvedic spices typically in it. You've got some turmeric. Do you add, you know, your turmeric, your cumin, your coriander, your, your seeds. beautiful mustard seeds. Those are incredible. And all of those carminative spices help to actually digest that food much better. They help to create, they're very high in saponins, which is a plant constituent that helps to reduce the gas factor within our digestive system. So 
you, you end up having this scrubbing action and an ability to kind of cope with food a lot better when you have these spices along with your food. That's why most of the hot detox recipes add a ton of these beautiful spices. So we, we have this lovely uh, food that you've decided to eat. And what, what happens in your digestive system is that your stomach's going to go to work now really with a lot of peristalsis. Remember, cold food blunts off peristalsis, warming food and neutral foods will really be easily digested and we're churning and we're churning that food so that the stomach acids can mix with that food. And then when it dumps into the small intestine, boom, we want to have a strong amount of bicarbonate come out in order to neutralize the acids from the stomach and for you to be able to start extracting the nutrition in that small intestine. And that's where I really get concerned for people is the amount of proton pump inhibitors, the amount of acid and acids that they're eating. A lot of people think that actually their indigestion, their heartburn is too much acid when in fact their incorrect digestion is leading them to have the food ferment and hang out in the stomach way too long. And the sphincter being in, uh, it's not correctly closing, the food can make its way back up the pipe and you're having heartburn. Uh-huh. But the great news is when we do chew correctly, when we do add these healing spices, when we do add some really lovely ingredients like apple cider vinegar or lemon juice or anything that's acidic, we're setting our pH of our stomach correctly so that when it moves down the chain of command, it'll elicit a really good bicarbonate response and digestion will be complete. So so often people's digestion is incomplete and they're really suffering. And they could have a stomach infection as well. H. pylori is just a absolutely nasty bug that is causing a lot of people grief. So if you are suffering from any digestive imbalance, keep looking underneath, make sure, you know, is the food I'm eating, do I digest it well? Or am I intolerant to it? Do I have an infection that's preventing me from proper digestion? Do I have an injury to the sphincter? Is it closing correctly? Do I need to go for, say, a manual adjustment to help make sure that valve is working correctly, which you can do? And then the fourth one being, do I have any sort of imbalance nutritionally? Like, am I eating so much starch that unfortunately my microbiome has been thrown off? So you can see how I'm addressing all four of those underlying causes when I'm looking at someone's food to try to ensure that they're able to extract the nutrition out of that food and have them heal correctly. That was a lot. I'm I'm doing big downloads today. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, there's so many little pieces to understand and it's such a comprehensive system in terms of food combining and how the different the interactions of all the different chemicals and enzymes and all these things in our, in our digestive process. One thing I wanted to, to say is that um, there's a, there's a lot of, a lot of talk with different people about, Oh yeah, you have to have an alkaline body, alkaline body, but it seems like there's not a full understanding. Like you were just pointing to, can you just comment a little bit more in depth on the pH levels and how to balance? Thank you. Thank you so much. Because People always say like lemon juice is alkaline and then other people are like, what are you talking about? Have you ever put pH strip in lemon juice? It's unbelievably acidic. 
Well, it turns out that the lemon juice has an actual ash, like when it goes through your body and your body metabolizes it, its net benefit is alkaline. But when it first enters the stomach, of course, it's very, very acidic. But it does help because it helps complete digestion and it helps to set the pH of the stomach correctly. There is a better uh, bicarbonate expression after you eat that food and the net benefit would be alkaline. So it's really important for us to understand that alkalinity is very, um, very much like you get more alkalinity when you're plant-based. Most proteins do have an acid. Uh, the net benefit would would create some acidity in the body. And not to say that I'm I I, I am against eating, you know, fish for example. But you do need to balance it out with plants, and that's my only concern around a lot of people going hardcore keto is that they're going very much dirty keto where they're eating so much animal fat and animal protein that's very acidic and they're not able to balance that with plants that are very, very alkaline. So definitely look to, you know, if you have to go low carb, if you're trying to balance your weight or work on neuroinflammation, then just make sure that you have enough green leafy veggies that are very, very low in calories, but extremely high in minerals because minerals are what's alkalizing your body. And an alkaline body has much better chance of fighting off infection and a much stronger immune system. So it's extremely important for us to focus on that alkaline state. But the good news is for people who have to be hardcore, um, hardcore, low, uh, low carb, breathing also helps to increase alkalinity. Deep, deep breathing will bring about a state of alkaline. So I'm so happy about that because I, I do a lot of breathing practices. My brother's a yogi and we we do cover off yoga in the book because it's so important for us to remember, you know, it's not just your food. You can have that alkaline state from deep, deep breathing as well. Right. Which, which reminds me, I know that like Ayurveda and yoga, they say are sister sciences. They're, they're combined yes. together for, for living a full, healthy life, the fullest potential as a human. How much, how much do you pull? Like you mentioned, uh, you, you started researching Ayurveda and Chinese medicine for hot detox. And I know these, these, these are ancient systems. How much do you pull and what can we, um, as modern Westerners glean from these ancient sciences? Well, what I love about them is that they're 5,000 years old. And I find that so often nutrition science is so young that the second you think you know something, you end up having it corrected within a decade. Like, let's just look at this last hundred years. Kellogg's was all about like, protein is evil you know, eat carbs, eat cornflakes. <laughs> and that was the first part of the, the century. And then we demonized, uh, we demonized carbs at a certain point in the 60s and 70s. You saw a lot of, you know, don't eat carbs. And then unfortunately, we started to demonize fats in the 80s. And look where that got us. Mm -hmm. So I really like to look at traditional cultures and say, you know, if we really look at the longest living people, 
are they not the greatest guide for longevity because they're living proof, right? So that's where I'm very excited when I look to traditional Chinese medicine. And I've had such remarkable healing as a result of traditional Chinese medicine. And Ayurveda, it fits very comfortably within that model. They are very close. So with Ayurveda, there's three constitutional types. And a person who is really attracted to a lot of yoga, who's very brilliant, who who has very long limbs, typically uh, on the more slender side, these people are often considered to be vata. And this windy energy has a tendency to have a lot of digestive problems. So I think as a vata, I was very attracted to a vata reducing menu, which turned out to be the hot detox. So I was really attracted to studying what are the warming foods from a traditional Chinese medicine perspective. And a lot of them line up perfectly with also reducing the windy energy within Ayurveda. So I I really appreciated that. And I just wanted to package it in a Western model. So I just brush over it in the book. But of course, I really give a shout out to it in the, in the menu choices because I wanted to make sure that people had a, a very easy to digest version uh, because a lot of the books that I was drawing from were very hard to understand. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean it's it's cool to see like these are these like you said have been around for five thousand years and the fads the diet fads will come and go but these things are are timeless aren't they? I just mm, want to say one thing to the audience. I see some some questions have come in in the chat. And oh, just, great! So everybody knows we will at the end we'll take about half an hour to address questions from the audience. So around um, uh, eleven forty five we'll get into the uh, into the questions. Um, you're in Ontario so what is it uh 245 your time will be nice yeah that's wonderful because I know I invited my audience to tune in today so hopefully you're all out there (laughs) fantastic um so okay coming back to this process I've eaten my kitchery it's into the stomach we've got the the peristalsis happening what's next okay so what's next is your gallbladder which is the reservoir for your liver the liver has dumped a ton of bile into your gallbladder, and then your gallbladder is going to squirt a bunch of bile into the small intestine in order to digest your food. So in that bile is you're going to be able to have a ton of breakdown of your good fats. So now we've got a golden opportunity to really absorb those fats, which are incredibly important because fats make every cell of your body. So if you have some healthy, um, I, I hope you, you would use healthy oil, of course, because Ross, you know what you're doing. Um, you would want okay. to have those fats broken down into the smallest pot- um, particle size in order to absorb them efficiently. And um, it's so important, guys, if we can talk about fats for a moment, that yes. you balance out your fat choices. Because one of my biggest beefs that's happening with in the keto industry right now is a hyper focus on saturated fat. Now I'm not going to demonize saturated fat. It's really important. It makes up, you know, cholesterol makes up your hormones. It's extremely important, but let's remember that we have omega-3, omega-6, omega-7, omega-9 and saturates. And unfortunately people are just hyper focused on the good tasting saturated fats 
And I want you to balance it out because every single one of them have their gifts. And unfortunately, so many people, and I'm going to call it the vegetarians and vegans right now, unfortunately, a vegetarian and vegan menu can be very, very high in omega-6. So the average Canadian is having 20 times the amount of omega-6 to omega-3. And omega-3 is the golden opportunity to reduce your inflammation because within omega-3, you've got that, that amazing EPA or eicosapentaenoic acid. That is what reduces inflammation as effectively as a traditional painkiller. That switches off your inflammation. So I want everyone to really focus in on those good fats and you find those. It's harder to find them as a vegan. So, you know, obviously if you are a pescatarian, you would have fish to focus on and the smaller, the better, of course. And now that I'm talking to a West Coaster, we have to avoid the farmed fish. I'm, yes. My brother is a very big advocate. He's a huge campaigner against farmed salmon on the West Coast. Yeah. So let's focus on those little guys, the anchovies, the herring, the sardines, the mackerel, little, little guys that reproduce really quickly and are low in mercury. And then for the vegetarians, I really want you to consider things like algae, because algae oil is one of the rare opportunities for us to get omega-3 in a really easy way to absorb and a really high quality pre-converted omega-3. Algae and then oil. Algae oil is fantastic. You can get algae oil now available that's pre-converted EPA for vegans, which is so important. And then we'd also have, um, of course, other great opportunities like the seeds, the flax seed, the, the chia seed, the hemp hearts, love hemp hearts because they're that type of omega-6 is pre-converted down the right chain of command. It's helping you make healthy hormones and also is full of minerals that'll keep you alkaline. So there's just a little rant on fats because I want people to know how important it is to digest your fats. Are there fats to avoid? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, any refined oil that's highly heated becomes toxic. So it starts okay, but it becomes hyper toxic. And also, how is it farmed? So I have a real beef with canola oil, soya oil, corn oil, because those are genetically modified plants. And let's remember that the terrible toxin from Roundup is fat soluble. So I'm very concerned around people having high amounts of these plants that are full of toxic issues. So let's avoid those GMO oils and let's focus in on the good fats, which, which my favorite fats for fighting inflammation besides the omega-3s would be omega-9s which are your wonderful avocados. And I'm a huge fan of um, heart protective olives. You know, olives are just the bee's knees and so great for travel. You know, I'm here in my RV right now, uh, traveling around Ontario and Quebec and olives are a lifeline <laughs> when you're traveling. So, you know, they've got those cute little packs now that you can buy olives so that you can have them in your purse. And oh my goodness. So really? Important. I haven't seen those. Oh, so good. And I don't have yeah. a purse. <laughs> we have a man purse called a computer bag. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. I don't have a computer bag, but. Oh, you don't? Okay. Yeah, well, I have a backpack. <laughs> there you go. There's yeah. your man purse. You have a backpack. <laughs> okay, so the, the gallbladder is, is 
excreting yes. this bile into the small intestine. Yes. And now we are extracting all your nutrition. So this is the really important time where we're pulling across the membrane all of our nutrition. Now, what if we have an infection, like a high level of candida, that's sitting in the parking spaces where the good bacteria is supposed to facilitate your absorption of good nutrition, but instead you've got these opportunistic negative microbiome that's increasing your potential for something called small intestinal bacterial overgrowth or SIBO or a case of heavy yeast infection in that precious small intestine. Now we have major problems. We have bloating and gas every single time we eat. You know, there's a lot of nightmares that can happen there. So without that good absorption, we have that nutritional deficiency, which is a leading cause of inflammation. So we need to cut down on the foods that increase that, that negative microbiome. And we need to beef up on the foods that nurture the correct microbiome. So that's why in the book, I have a lot of delicious fermented foods. You know, we teach you how to make kimchi, how to make sauerkraut, so that we can knock out the negative and put in the, the positive. And then as we move into the large intestine, really the, the, the whole point of the large intestine is to extract all the water. We need to bake off that loaf of bread that's been going through our system for 24 hours. Got to suck out the water so that when it goes out of your system, now it's fully formed. And that's where we see a lot of health issues. Either people have their peristalsis stop because they're eating foods that they're allergic to, or they have tons of stress that stop their they're in fight or flight, their gut just shuts off. And that's when we have to really work to increase that peristalsis, get them back to, to normal. Or the other way, if we have a lot of infections on board, a lot of irritation, a lot of uh, inflammation, we end up with very loose stools. And that's what we see is a lot of people having profound digestive problems on both ends of the spectrum. And my job is to get you back to the middle get you back to having that perfectly baked off loaf of bread going out of your butt every single day, <laughs> right? So that's what we call that poop chart, which right. uh, I teach in my course where we don't want a number one, which is a real constipation. We don't want number seven, which is terrible diarrhea. We really want to have a number four. Think four like a golf game. Four. You want to have that <laughs> knock it out of a park kind of stool every single day that paying attention to our stools something that maybe some people find unpleasant but what should we be looking for what are some of the signs that it's off things are off and the, the great question so you're looking for that perfectly formed i'd like it to be at least an inch wide if it's pencil thin that's often a sign of inflammation you want to have nice nice long snake like poops that just fly out into the bowl without having to push too hard if you're pushing really really hard that's mild constipation mm. and uh, you definitely want to have a nice brown color you don't want it to be white that's a sign that you're lacking bile and you don't want it to be black because that could be a sign of blood in the stool so definitely look back that's just so important that people get over their hang up with their poop and understand that that is one of the main indicators of our health. That is the biggest way to play Sherlock Holmes and detect our own health issues is by really starting to grade our poop and get to understand what it does. 
Hashtag look back. Hashtag look back. Let's I love that. Moving. You got to look back. You got to, you got to make you sure. Do. You do. You know. do. I love that. I'm actually so excited about hashtag look back. That I'm going to take a quick photo of us talking about it so that I can talk about hashtag look back after this. I love it. Fantastic. That's great. You're a wonderful interviewer. I just want to tell you that. You're absolutely amazing. Thank you. And I'm sorry. I'm so excited to talk to you that I go on these waves. But No, no. This is awesome. I'm I'm having a great time talking to you. I was so excited to speak to you because I I watched a few episodes of uh, A Healthy Gourmet. And that is maybe you can tell us a bit about that show because it it looks like you guys had so much fun. You and Ezra, the chef. Oh my Um, goodness. We had a great time. Yeah. So we traveled all over uh, trying to encourage groups of people to shift their menu. And I was fighting for, for nutrition and Ezra was fighting for flavor. And we would have these authentic battles and the worst battles would actually happen off camera. We would have, (laughs) we were like a brother and a sister pair we would have like these clashes where I'm like, no, we are not putting bacon on the show. It's called healthy gourmet, Ezra. It's not happening on my shift, right? And he's like, no, Julie, this this dish is traditionally made with bacon. We're going for bacon. So we would just have these very funny wars. And we discovered some wonderful superfoods along the way, some really new discoveries. And at the time, they were completely unheard of. So that's what I was trying to do is, you know, bring resveratrol, grape skin powder on for the first time, you know. So that was really fun. My favorite was the foraging episode because we were in the outback with cowboys. We had to literally cook with what we could find around us. And that was my my favorite segment. And I think I've taken from that because I have a lot of uh, herbalism background. I've studied herbalism for many years. So I, I still love that. So if you follow me on Instagram, you'll see me like go into the woods and just like start it describing like, here's some pine needle tea, like definitely drink this, you know? So it's a lot of fun. On that note uh, with foraging, uh, how much how much are we missing out on in terms of like what's available to us let's say i'm in canada or the us and i go out into the forest is it just is there just a plethora of food and medicine that we just don't have the knowledge about if there is one thing i would tell people to do to save vast amounts of money and to feel food security it's to buy a field identification like a food identification guide for medicinal plants and food, like plants that will work within your culinary dishes, because it is so empowering to know that you are not without food. How many people are nutrient deficient because they really are pinched financially, but they don't know that there is food for free out if they can get to a park that isn't sprayed. And thank goodness in intercity centers like Toronto, they've banned pesticide sprays because now we see massive amounts of dandelions growing up. And dandelions are literally edible from the top of the flower to the tip of the root. And I talk, talk about this in Hot Detox because the roots make a delicious substitute for coffee and it's very good for detoxifying the liver. The leaves are incredible kidney tonic and liver tonic, and they're bitter, but you just saute them down with some onion or you eat them raw with a blueberry dressing on them or something sweet that will elevate it. Because people think they don't like bitter foods. They actually love bitter foods, 
They just don't realize that their bitter foods are masked with sweeteners. So who doesn't love a cup of coffee? Who doesn't love chocolate? It's the most loved food in the world, but it's hyper bitter. So if you were to take something like dandelion coffee substitute and add a little bit of sweetener to that, like I love using monk fruit because it doesn't have any calories. It's profoundly anti-inflammatory. All of a sudden I've got this unbelievable uh, latte, but Mm. there's no caffeine. There's no inflammatory ingredients in there and it just tastes heavenly so i think the the guide to good health is about finding something that tastes incredible and heals you so that you're double enrolled because if it's not pleasurable no one sticks with it i've learned that over 20 years of teaching if it's not awesome they won't stick with it no kidding yeah you can't force yourself yeah We've got about five more minutes until we start taking audience questions. I wanted to ask you about um, food education because obviously there's a huge need for food education in our culture and we're so cut off from the food supply and understanding how it works and how it affects our body. Um, what, what is your outlook on food education on a systemic level? How can we start to address it? Well, one thing that I'm very excited about, if I can see the silver lining in this horrendous lockdown, is that people are realizing that if they don't have their health, they have very little. (laughs) That your health is so your wealth. It's the only thing that truly matters in the end, besides the love in your life. Like there's kind of like love and security, and then there's your health, right? Like it's so important to us that I think people are really getting the importance of our health now. And I do hope that continues. And I do hope that we start to prioritize our health. And I do hope that people really, I hope this whole movement of free food catches on because you can nourish yourself on very little. If you look to uh, India, how much does a really good Ayurvedic, Uh, menu cost it costs less than a dollar a day to actually feed yourself I bet you have never saved more money than when you chose to take on this cleanse absolutely people always think cleansing so expensive cut out meat cut out cheese on these cleanses you save a whole whack of cash absolutely it's very exciting right I haven't been to the grocery store like you know I buy one vegetable and yeah I'm I've almost got enough for my Ferrari now (laughs) <laughs> you're hilarious yes or your awesome airstream as a case right. maybe. <laughs> i'm so happy to be in a vintage airstream it costs us next to nothing and we're we're fixing it up slowly so no way. Come follow us so cool. yeah it's so cool oh my goodness i i didn't understand how cool it was until i was living in it you sleep better with no electricity around you like talk about emfs are gone and uh, just cooking so close to nature with whatever we can forge. It's so fun. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway. so you and your husband, Alan, are traveling around right now. Or is this just, yes. just enjoying the summer or is there? Yeah, a- we're doing 100 days in the RV. We've given up our apartment entirely so that we can sink our money into Roxy. We call her Roxy. And we're living in 250 square feet. We're in a tiny home on wheels and it feels great. Yeah. Wonderful. Really fun. And, and what's coming up next for you? What's, what does the future hold? Any new projects on the horizon? Oh, yeah. 
Oh, yeah. Well, this fall, we're teaching an incredible new program, uh, a transformation program where we're going to hold the hands of 40 individuals. We're only taking 40 people so we can absolutely pour our love and attention into them. And so we're going to be teaching that program for 100 days. And then we also have this incredible Thrive Tribe, which is 150 members strong right now, where it's a support group for people fighting inflammation and really wanting to thrive versus just survive. And that's ongoing 365 days a year. So that's where our focus is going. And next year, I'll be launching a new book about becoming sugar-free and how you can let go of sugar for once and for all, which is really exciting. That's wonderful. Okay, so people uh, that are interested in in being one of the forty lucky forty people in your group or part of the Thrive Tribe, how would they sign up for that? Yeah, well, we'll know that um, we we have it all on the website. So when you go to juliedanlock.com and you click "Let's Get Started," it'll walk you through the process of the Thrive Tribe, which is really cool. And also just have a look at the website because we do have so many amazing free opportunities there. I have the anti inflammatory guide, which is a free download that I highly recommend everyone start with because it's really the framework that'll give you exactly what to shop for when you look at that pyramid and the beautiful handout. It's like seven pages of of what to buy to really reduce inflammation. Cool. Yeah, I checked out your website. It is great. There's a lot of good resources on there. So check it out, folks. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So it's 11.44, so we'll, we'll start to take some audience questions. Let's see. And just to let everybody know, Julie can't really do too much sort of really personal health advice. Um, you know, that would require like a one-on-one session, I assume. So general questions are great. Um, I'll be curating the questions, and I'll try and get to everyone's. But just so you know, if it's a really personal, like specific question, it, we might not be able to cover it. So I'm just going to go to the chat here. There's just so everybody knows, there's a Q and A function. If you're able to find that, that's the best place to look for your um, uh, to put in your questions. But I'm going to look at the chat first. Oh, here's one about Kitchery. Okay, uh, Dr. C. J. Milsom asked, "Can we use lentils rather than mung beans in Kitchery?" and find the same benefits yes absolutely so what's great about the recipes is as long as you stay within a food family like swapping out one type of legume for another type of legume absolutely i find that lentils especially the red lentils are extremely easy to digest and that's what's important is i like to keep my legumes really really small because when we go up to a chickpea or a soya bean they're incredibly difficult to digest and they actually require about four hours of cooking time minimum to help to reduce um, any sort of digestive issues that would crop up with trying to, to, to really cook the center of that legume. So uh, that's why I really like those tiny little legumes like lentils. And if you do find you have gas with them, the two things were to be add some lovely seaweed to help the seaweed helps to reduce that gas factor uh-huh. and skim off the soapy foam on the actual 
legumes to reduce the gas and add tons of spices. So the the not the cayenne spice, but just the ginger, the, the turmeric, the cumin, the coriander, those, those wonderful carminative spices I talked about will help you digest them. Fantastic. Yeah, I actually used the little split red lentils for my kitchery cleanse and it was great. Really good. Okay, I'm just looking... Um... Okay, so we'll see a question from Annie Houston. It, it is specific. We'll see. We'll see. It's a longer question. So she said, just got this book, Hot Detox, and excited to play with these recipes. I'm recovering from long-term chronic illness, chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia with uh, IBS complication. Okay. Have recently discovered that the root cause is related to a dysregulated nervous system. I'm trying to get back into and support my vagus nerve rest and digest mode. I think the hot detox will assist me. Any particular key advice that you might add to my situation? Well, I know that when we're talking about resting and digesting, you're going to love uh, the new book I'm creating, but I will give you the key message, which is we do have to work on ways to switch off fight or flight to reduce that IBS that you're experiencing. So a big piece is the yogic breathing. And we do have some exercises in there. Um, Know that Yogi Shambhu, which is my my brother, my blood brother, he actually has wonderful exercises to help quell that sort of nervousness that causes a lot of IBS responses. And the big one is breathing in for four and out for eight. That really helps you move out of a fight or flight response into rest and digest. So we wanna breathe in, two, three, four, and out, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Seems like a lot. And if that's too stressful to start, just start with three in and six out, whatever works for you. Do you wanna double the exhale? Because it turns out when you're in fight or flight, you can't breathe that way. So when you actually extend your exhale, you're telling the body, I'm safe. I am safe. I can rest and digest now. So it switches off the, the, the fear response quickly. That's awesome. Thank you. Um, okay, a question from Harold Federson. He says, what happens if your gallbladder has been removed? Oh, that's a great question. And I get that a lot. You're going to really rely on the carminative spices and the, the bitter foods even more. And the reason why is because now your liver has nowhere to hold the bile. So we have to dump bile right before every meal. So what you want to do is have something bitter at the beginning of the meal. You can take digestive bitters. You can eat bitter foods. Like I love radicchio. I love uh, chicory. I love any of these bitter foods right at the beginning of the meal. Then your liver goes, oh, I taste that bitter and it pushes out bile, and that's gonna help you digest your food better because as the food goes down and gets digested, then the bile is there present for you. Or you could have it after dinner. Instead of having dessert, you could have some digestive tea right at the end of the meal in order for your body to be ready to have that bile there for you, which is so important. Wonderful, okay, thanks, Julie. Next question, I'm going over to the Q&A section here. Valentina Boccia asks, what anti-inflammatory foods people with IBS can have? Thank you. 
Well, with IBS, we need to look at what foods are your irritants. And for everyone, it's different. So one thing I really say is there's 7 billion diets for 7 billion people. You will never see the Danilic diet because for everyone, it's different. For example, I'm highly allergic to wheat. I'm terribly sensitive to almonds where my husband's terribly sensitive to chickpeas and crab. So you can go for IgG and IgE antibody testing so we know what your immune system's triggered by and then build your menu out from that. Or if you don't have the money to go for that testing, you're going to have to keep a really elaborate food diary and really see what symptoms come up when you eat that food. If you're having IBS, that's a big sign. If you you get red cheek, especially on one side, like a bright red response, or you get swelling under your eyes, or you get sinus congestion, or you get dark circles, or you have stomach pain. That is the food that you've got a journal, big circle around, avoid. And then you're going to avoid it for at least two months and then reintroduce that food to see whether you can reduce your, your allergy response or your intolerance response to that food. And the good news is, is you can balance your immune system, tolerate more foods over time. Now I can have blanched almond meal like you would find in a paleo muffin without any problems where initially it would cause me terrible problems. So your immune system balances out. So that's the good news. You're not off it for life. You're just off it until you can digest it because whatever you can't digest becomes inflammatory. What are, what are allergies, Julie? Because I, hmm. I went to the Ayurvedic doctor the other day and he said, you know, this old Indian man, and he said, you know, in India and in, in the Ayurvedic system, we don't have, there's allergies aren't a thing. Like it's not a permanent thing that, Exactly. It's not a permanent thing. So in Western world, allergies were established is um, any substance that triggers your immune response to create an antibody. So in the allergy world, it's IgE antibodies, which are quite significant. Within 24 hours of eating a food or breathing in a pollen, your immune system will react with really significant symptoms. And intolerance is much milder or it's late onset, and that's an IgG antibody response, and that is really often delayed. So that's the problem, is some foods don't have like an anaphylactic reaction, but they're reacting afterwards, and you don't quite pinpoint it as easily. So that's what's my problem with almonds, is that almonds weren't creating anaphylaxis, it was creating a cough about four hours later. So I did a pile of trail mix, and then I was standing on stage to give a lecture, and I was coughing, and I was so embarrassed, and I didn't put two and two together until I went for blood work. So that's the only thing. And in Ayurveda, they're like, fix the root problem because it's the immune system overreacting, calm down the immune system, fix the gut lining, and you won't have this over response to the immune system. And that's how you can now, even 10 years ago, they thought you couldn't get rid of allergies. It was a lifelong sort of sentence, right? Now we know that your immune system can calm down. We can retrain the body to accept a food and get over it. It takes about one to two years. Fantastic. Okay, thank you. Um, another question in the Q&A section here from Beth Agosti. She, it's a follow-up. She says, you mentioned the gallbladder. Is there a natural way to get rid of a small gallstone? And then she says, love you. Aw, thank you. Well, this is where I tread into territory that gets a little tricky. 
So I'm going to just talk very general here and say that you can digest small stones, but because we don't know the size of stones, it is important for you to go to a, for an ultrasound to get an assessment from your medical doctor and have clearance. Because if we go on a gallbladder cleanse and it's aggressive, if you end up with a gallstone lodged in your actual duct, it's very painful, obviously. So because I am not your medical practitioner, I cannot advise on that, but I can just say I have seen miraculous things happen. Um, and I do just want to steer people towards the fact that people get scared of fat with gallstones, but actually gallstones can happen more frequently if you go on an ultra low fat diet because the bile stores in your gallbladder too long and turns into stones because it's not being expressed. So the good news is, is if you have extremely healthy fats like omega-3, you often will have a good bile response. If you're eating certain foods that cause a restriction of the gallbladder duct, i.e. some people really react to eggs in a negative way, then that will cause um, a swelling of the gallbladder duct. Another thing that causes swelling is, is gluten will cause a swelling of the gallbladder duct and that will cause uh, tremendous uh, problems down the road if you had that swollen duct. So I have to talk very generally and say, get to a good natural path and have that help to assess your, your case personally. That's great. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. There's so many of these things that are really situational and personal. Eh? Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, Nazrin Chavoshi, this is back in the chat side. I'm just kind of bouncing back and forth a bit here says what vinegar should we use for fermentation and pickles? It's really interesting. I don't use any vinegar because pickles and all those wonderful things can ferment themselves. And then you end up using that pickle juice as a substitute for vinegar. So you don't have to use vinegar in order to make a good pickle or in order to make um, an excellent uh, sauerkraut, for example. So you can use vinegar-free fermentation techniques that uses sauerkraut, sorry, that uses sodium good amounts of sodium. For people who are sodium sensitive, moving to a vinegar pickle is a great idea. And of course, the go-to is apple cider vinegar. If you're somebody who's sensitive to apples, then we can go into many different kinds of vinegars. You know, uh, an organic red wine vinegar is very popular. Um, using uh, another one that comes to mind is a coconut vinegar is very popular. Just it really depends on whether that food substance is good for you. So coconut vinegar is actually made from coconut nectar. And are you tolerating that well? So that will help me decide, or do you want to rotate your vinegars? My big thing is rotation, rotation. Don't get attached to one food thing because I don't want you to become intolerant, intolerant to it. Make sure to have lots of variety in your menu so that you not only get unique nutrition from each meal, but you also keep your immune system nice and quiet, nice and calm. <laughs> Very important. Wonderful. Uh, a question from Sunshine Linto or Lintot. Are thyroid issues related to inflammation? And what legumes would you recommend? So two questions. Are thyroid issues related to inflammation is the first one. 
Thyroid is absolutely related to inflammation. It's a sad state of affairs that 70% of women or more, more than 70% of women who have low thyroid actually have Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune response. And autoimmunity is where the body attacks your own system. So your immune system has lodged an attack towards your thyroid. And the underlying cause is often that you, you have uh, something going on in your digestive system. For example, if you are allergic to or intolerant to gluten and you continue to eat it, the gluten is so similar to your thyroid that your body doesn't know what it's doing and it goes to attack the thyroid because it's trying to cope with the fact that you have a high gluten load. So that's why following a gluten-free menu has been so helpful for people who have Hashimoto's, for example. So definitely fight inflammation and it will be very, very helpful for reducing thyroid issues. And the last thing I'll say about thyroid is that it's very tied to your adrenals and your sex hormones because it's a it's actually a, a, a it's a triad. So we have to also address your nervous system and your adrenal health in order to heal your thyroid. And we have to address your sex hormones and how balanced is your estrogen to progesterone level. So it's quite a it's quite a unique little symptom picture. And having had hypothyroidism and it's very genetic. I've had hypothyroidism for 10 years. I've become quite a specialist in this area. If you want to want to um, really focus on that, that's something that could be addressed in our transformation program. Fantastic. And there's a second question from Sunshine. Right. That said, and what, what legumes would you recommend? If you can tolerate legumes, um, I highly recommend the smaller, the better. The lentils are the best. Mung beans are fantastic. Black beans, incredibly easy to digest. I can eat black bean dip till the till I don't know, pigs fly. But <laughs> I will I will not be able to handle hummus, classic hummus, because the lentil, sorry, the chickpea size is so darn big and it just creates a lot of bloating and gas. So if you are going to enjoy large legumes, really consider getting yourself one of those wonderful pressure cookers that destroy the lectins that really hyper cook that food so that you can rip it apart and digest it better. That's great. Let's see here. Thanks Karen for saying the Thrive, yeah. <laughs> Thrive and Transformation program are great. Yeah, that's great. Karen Johnson. She's one of our wonderful, wonderful participants. Awesome. Thrive Tribe and the Transformation Program are awesome. That's great. <laughs> um, Robin Johnson asks, where on your website is your list of anti-inflammatory food pages to print? Well, that's our download. So you would download our uh, lead capture or what we call our, our free offering on our website. You'll, you'll see if you scroll to the bottom, there's a, a nice ledger there that when you give us your name, you'll actually have it delivered to your inbox. So that's where you can get it is just, uh, just then you'll also get my lovely newsletter where I share a recipe and a tip of the week and also share with you our adventures in Roxy because we, we do a love letter every single week to our group. Nice. That's great. Okay. Back to the Q and a section. 
Alex B. Carradine says, hi, I am an overall healthy and active 48-year-old female. My diet is definitely alkaline and I only consume food that grows close to me. Unfortunately, I developed inflammation in my hands. Family doctor told me it is osteoarthritis. Any hints? Yeah, osteoarthritis is now being linked to digestive health. And, And this is brand new information just in the last year. Initially, they used to think that rheumatoid arthritis was immune related and that osteoarthritis was just wear and tear. But let's face it, unless you've had a hand injury, why would some people have their hands become arthritic? And now we understand that there's an intrinsic link between the inflammation in the gut causing osteoarthritis of the hands and of the knees and other areas where osteoarthritis is big. So I really want you to try on a profoundly, um, we would need to put on the Sherlock Holmes hat and delve into your personal triggers that might be causing this hand inflammation. And we need to bump up the profound anti-inflammatory remedies, like going on higher dose remedies. And this is where it's hard to get into specifics, but I will say, you know, one that's very classic is using high dose turmeric because the active component called the curcumin within the turmeric can be a very powerful um, benefit to hand inflammation. And I'll just give you some some big heart from mine to yours. Know that my whole family is riddled with arthritis from rheumatoid to osteo. And both my sister and I have hand inflammation unless we stay off of the foods that are personal inflammatory triggers. And I'm now pain-free. My sister is pain-free and she's 55. So I'm just giving you hope that it's absolutely possible to get your hands free of pain. That's wonderful. So many things that eating properly can heal. eh? And what's thing is she is doing the right thing. She's following a wonderful menu already, but there must be something in there that we still have to turn off that fire that's specific to her. So that's why we do the detective work. Mm -hmm. There's a, there's a um, little square in hot detox where you give your mom's it's like yes. an inspirational story about your mom. I think it was colitis that she was suffering. Oh, terrible. She had a cadmium poisoning because she was a potter. And they, there's so much cadmium in glazes that she her cadmium was off the chart. It was killing all of her good bacteria because it turns out that your bowel flora is killed off with cadmium. So the second we reduced her cadmium load and bumped up her probiotics, and really focused on her digestion and eliminating all those inflammatory foods, my mother is absolutely free of her colitis. And it's a miracle because, quite frankly, to watch her wasting away and watch her so weak and so tired, it was breaking my heart because here I am an anti-inflammatory expert. So I'm so so relieved by her transformation. And I just want to share one of the greatest transformation stories I've ever seen. I've had uh, one of my transformers as of late, um, she actually has lost 55 pounds. Her inflammation is gone. She's gone from barely able to walk up a flight of stairs to now being able to walk 10, 15 K without any sort of pain. And it's so such a blessing. And, and Yvette has gone on to be an incredible support to so many people. That's the great thing about healing. 
you don't just get the benefit for yourself, but you pay it forward to your whole family, your whole tribe. You end up being such a contribution, which is the highest level of happiness is when we can be a contribution to our world. So it just fills me with such joy that I want to give people hope that this is absolutely worth every little bit of shift and every little bit of change that you might choose to do because the benefits are huge. Stick with it, folks. Stick <laughs> with it. That's so great. Uh, um, Barbara Aliz- Alizade says, how can I change my diet as I have diverticulitis? Mm. Diverticulitis? we have to just really work on that blender and that food processor <laughs> because say a food that would be really problematic for you like small little seeds become harmless when they're blended into a nut butter so you can't handle say sunflower seeds um, but you can absolutely handle uh, sunflower seed butter so we do a lot of purees and that's why the hot detox is so beneficial for people with diverticulitis because there's a lot of pureeing, right? We do a lot of pureed soups and a lot of what I like to call um, uh, soup smoothies, soupies, I like to call them, <laughs> so that they're half soup, half half smoothie, and they're really easy to digest and really safe for people with diverticulitis. Wonderful. Um, another uh, another question about uh, different condition tinnitus. Can nutritional choices help tinnitus? That's from Chris Levels. Yeah, it's really interesting that, of course, tinnitus is is um, in part inflammation of that inner ear, and it and it can be a benefit. We can absolutely benefit from an anti-inflammatory menu helping. Uh, tinnitus, it's sort of a multi-prong approach because we also need to work on um, a great deal of the nervous system issue around it. So really focusing on um, the yogic approach is is very in keeping with with benefiting that. Um, so I just I just want to uh, say I have seen a reduction of of tinnitus, and it's a very individual approach. You know what works for one person won't necessarily work for another, but we can reduce uh, that chronic ringing in the ears for sure. Wonderful. Anietta Vanderwage says, I've been a vegetarian for over 20 years, but I'm now finding I'm nutrient deficient. What's the best way to get nutrient abundant again? That's wonderful. Well, I just want to speak to all the vegans, vegetarians. I was a vegetarian for over a decade and I became terribly nutritionally deficient. So I really empathize with trying to save animals and wanting to do the right thing by the environment. I think it's wonderful. But there's five nutrient deficiencies that can crop up. So you can become deficient in omega-3, can become deficient in B12, in zinc, in iron, and in protein. That's a lot of nutrition deficiencies to get over. So you really have to ask yourself, do we need to put your life jacket on? I remember when my naturopath almost shook me. She didn't physically shake me, but she emotionally shook me up. And she said, Julie, you need to eat to heal, not necessarily eat by dogma. Not, you know, are you willing to eat what you need to do to get by? Because I became totally intolerant to soy and intolerant to most grain and nuts. 
what in the world does a vegetarian eat when you become that intolerant to foods? So I had to really start implementing what I needed to heal. And I, I won't lie, that, that did include things like fish. So that's the big thing that you have to ask yourself. And if you're not ready to go back to things like fish, can you consider bone broth powder? Can you consider gelatin powder? Can you consider those highly nutritive foods that like collagen that's purified so you don't taste an animal byproduct, but there's some some nourishment in there that will give back to you. And if for religious reasons you have to stay vegetarian, then I really think we need to address those five deficiencies. So where are you getting your iron? You better really beef up on it because it's plant-based, it's hard to absorb. Omega-3, get your algae oil that's very specifically created, that's pre-converted, right? Where are you getting your zinc? Well, one of the great sources that's vegetarian is pumpkin seeds are great for that. Double down on protein because it's very hard to get enough of it. A lot of vegetarians are carboholics, right? And uh, I guess the last one is B12. You're going to have to supplement because there is no vegan source of B12 in nature. People think spirulina is a B12 source. It's actually an analog that humans do not convert well. So you pretty much have to get a spray of B12 and just spray it. And that's one of the only things vegans can do to keep that deficiency at bay. Spray is the best for B12, eh? Mm -hmm. Or a shot from your doctor. But that would be... For you to discuss with your doctor, not to right. talk to a nutritionist about. <laughs> okay. <laughs> stay cool. in my lane. My sister's yeah. always saying, "Stay in your lane." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh. Okay. Um, yeah, I think that that's a great question for because there's a lot of people that are vegetarian, and it's you know you have to. We don't have the culture around vegetarianism like say India, where they understand it's just built in the the food pairings and all the things to have a rounded diet if you're eating that way. So it can be really challenging. Yes. And that's why so many of their recipes are perfectly designed to have all those nutrients combined. But my, my uncle is actually a sadhu in India. He walked across Europe and landed in India and stayed for 50 years, if you can believe it. Wow. And he wrote me saying, Julie, I am so intolerant to the sun. And I wrote back and I said, that's a classic omega-3 deficiency. Would you please bump up your flax seeds? Can you please bump up your foods that are high in pigments to try to compensate? Because as a sadhu, they're very, very strict with very simple, simple diet. They're giving all their money to the poor. So once he corrected those nutritional deficiencies, his tolerance to the sun really went up, which was such a saving grace in India. You can imagine how hot it was. So just keep with it. Keep solving those nutritional deficiencies like Sherlock Holmes and you'll be good. That's awesome. Um, Okay, we've answered that one. Um, okay, from Bev Ludba. Mm-hmm. Is gallbladder and not enough bile part of the problem SIBO of SIBO in the small intestine? Well, one of the big problems with SIBO is your, your actual stomach not having the correct pH. Because if you're not putting out enough acid that kills off negative bacteria, they can go straight from your esophagus into the small intestine where they're supposed to be killed off in the stomach. So that's where we see a lot of problems. And we also see a lot of overgrowth because of refined carbohydrates. Refined carbohydrates nurture all the negative bacteria and the yeast. And then the other culprit 
Are you drinking chlorinated water? Have you had antibiotics in your lifetime? Because you've killed off the good guys, which are supposed to be there filling up the parking spaces in your microvilli. And if those parking spaces are empty for any of those reasons I talked about, then the negative bacteria and yeast can proliferate and fill up those parking spaces and take over. So that's why we have to do this, really looking at those four different areas and switching over your ability to uh, take the upper hand and give the good guys a shot, for sure. Awesome. From Lynn Holloway. Mm -hmm. With relation to consuming legumes, or are organic canned out of the question? Well, I use um, organic canned when I'm camping like this. And I have to say that look for enamel-lined cans. So there is good canned food. Uh, one of the best brands, I, I'm not affiliated in any way, but it's Eden Foods does enamel-lined cans because the average liner in a can is plastic, which is giving you bisphenol A, which is horrendous for your hormones. So cheap is bad, but organic legumes canned from Eden. I also like that they put kombu, that seaweed I told you to cook your legumes in, they put it right in there. So they're making it oh. easy to digest. So I find black beans that are packed in an enamel clan rinsed really well to get rid of that, that negative soapy stuff and then pureed or brought to temperature and made into say black bean soup that's well pureed. It's probably the easiest way to digest a legume. Mm -hmm. And the other option you mentioned earlier is getting a pressure cooker that can really blast those things. Yes. I'm tempted to travel with my pressure cooker. My husband thinks I'm a little bit on the nutty side to do so. He's like, Julie, there's only so much space. I'm like, there's 36 little compartments in here. We can find room. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're getting close to the end. There's not too many more questions, but Great. I think, I think we're not going to be able to address all of them. Um, but here's a big one because it's about wheat. And our, our VJ just says, what are your views about wheat? I mean, this is such a huge thing at this time. Oh, such a huge topic. So I was fortunate enough to travel with the, the head researcher on wheat, Dr. William Davis, who created the book Wheat Belly. We went on tour together. I was his opening act. I felt like an up and coming rocker because he was like the main act and I was his opening band. And uh, I got a chance to listen to him in such a beautiful way. And he really explained that, is it really wheat or is it the unfortunate genetic changes that have happened to wheat? We now have a dwarf variety that's very standard and is very, very hard to digest and is higher in gluten than other forms of grains. And that's why going back to red fife going back to spelt, going back to kamut helps certain people. But if you have an autoimmune reaction to grain, if you have any autoimmunity, whether it be MS, Hashimoto's, doesn't matter what kind of autoimmunity you have, it's really best to avoid grains because grains can be a really significant way to trigger the immune system. So that's why you'll see within the approach of the autoimmune protocol, there is no grains and there's actually little legumes, if any. As people start to reintroduce some legumes, they have to be hypercooked. So if you look to the work of Elaine Gottschall, who wrote the book, um, you know, Breaking the Vicious Cycle, 
article, she talks about for one year, strictly going off grains and legumes and then reintroducing it to see whether your body can handle it. My husband has incredible digestion and he can handle some organic grains in rotation where myself, I have to avoid all grain uh, for my digestion to stay really happy. So really there's that 7 billion diets for 7 billion people. So I'll never become dogmatic. Um, my sister has a great saying really is that um, your belief is the thief of knowing. So if you open your mind to what you really truly need and, and let go of dogma, then you often have a real jump in the answer that your, that your higher self is calling for. That's wonderful. That's, that's really great. And I, and a good uh, way to end um, just for everybody to understand that it's so individual, these, these things with diet, and it's important to keep, like you say, keep investigating, put your Sherlock, Sherlock Holmes hat on experiment and, and see what works for you. I, I thought I had to I had to give this last question because we talked about Kitchery so much uh, throughout. <laughs> and it's someone who didn't put their name. Anonymous attendee asked, what is Kitchery? Oh, yeah. It's a delicious <laughs> stew from India that's very cleansing. So it was created as sort of an ultimate meal that delivers most of the nutrients that a person would need to survive for one to two to three weeks is a kind of standard length of time and it has a combined protein. So in vegetarianism, by com combining a legume with a healthy, like in, in my recipes, I would use a pseudo grain like quinoa, for example, which is extremely nutrient dense. When you combine that with a legume, you cover off all the amino acids. And then we would add piles of wonderful produce to that. So in mine, I would add in, you know, some burdock or some wonderful dandelion. And that would really ratchet up your detoxification pathways so that we can get those toxins out of you. So, you know, I've done this cleanse for up to up to 30 days. And, and I can't believe how nice it is to hang up your need for what am I going to eat today? Like it's kind yeah. of freeing in a it way. Simplifies life so much. It does simplify and it's extremely inexpensive, but just remember that this only works for people who digest easy pseudo grains and um, legumes. Well, if you're somebody who are intolerant to those things, there's lots of other recipes in the hot detox to explore. So yeah, I just wanted to give that caveat. <laughs> and folks check out hot detox. It really is a wonderful book. And as are your other books, we were just focusing on hot detox today. I'm really excited for your, for your new book about taking sugar out of your life. I, I look forward to seeing that and wish yes. you well in the writing process. Thank you. I'm at the copy edit stage. So I'm like, oh, I can't oh, wait to wow. have that finished. Yes. Okay. okay, guys. Well, thank you. This has been delightful. Ross, you're just a rocking, amazing host. You hold the, the frame of the playground so that I can dance inside the frame. So thank you so much oh, for facilitating. And thanks to Jacob thanks. and Banyan Books. And you guys are amazing. And thank you for everyone who tuned in today. I'm so touched. Thank you so much, Julie Daniluk. And again, her website, juliedaniluk.com. Check it out, folks. Thank you. You have been listening to In Conversation, a podcast of Banyan Books and Sound.